Good morning, Highlands. How you doing? Good. Pretty good. Yeah, that's a good, that's a happy group. Happy group. Happy group or a crew, whatever you want, you know. It's a great day today. Today we are continuing our Your Invited series. This is our kickoff to ministry for the fall. And so um, as you leave today, you're going to get invitations again. They're a little different today. They're just pretty simple. They, in case someone doesn't get the point, you're invited. That's all it says on there. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm kind of busy these days. I got a lot going on with the ministry. And I was wondering, do you guys mind if I write out a couple invitations before we start out? Just, I know you, you can write yours after the service, but is that okay? Is that all right? So can you play, have you got some invitation writing music? Yeah, that's pretty good. No, he's, not, he's not laughing, apparently. He, he thinks it's very serious invitation, invitation writing music there. I, I see something, actually. Uh, okay. All right, all right, thank you, Jason. Awesome. Is he, is he amazing? Okay, here we go. Here we go. First one. Okay. Dear ticket taker at the Park Cinema, I hope you come to Highlands Church because we used to have our worship services there, and here you don't have to clean under the serv- seats between services. There we go. That's good. That's a good one. I, I like that guy a lot. Okay, here's this is another one. Dear neighbor... I'm sorry I threw poop over your fence the other day. It just happened. I really didn't mean to. I was aiming for the trash can. But if you come to Highlands Church, I know that you'll forgive me. Thank you. There you go. That's good. Thank you. That was, that was actually some of the best. That was the best that we've had so far. I think it's the music. Okay. All right. Let's try it again. Dear checkout. Sorry. <laughs> Dear guy at the checkout counter at Albertsons, I hope you come to Highlands Church because here no one will be swiping their chip card and you won't have to ask if anyone brought their bag and we don't have 20 aisles. We only have three. You'll love it. There we go. There we go. That's good. All right. That's pretty good. Thank you, Jason. Good, good job, Jason. We love it. That's our invitation writing music. It is very easy to write invitations to people to come to church. And it's really important. Uh, years ago, I was wondering how to communicate to a team before a church that is very busy with getting ready for worship, how important it is to invite someone to come to church. And I remember just trying to develop a visual in my mind of someone who I was sure existed, and it was this description, that there was an old lady down the street, and she lives alone, and her form of community on Sunday for the whole of her life has been watching the television. And she, through that experience, has these negative images coming at her of how the world is being torn apart, literally. Hurricanes, floods, earthquakes. And she doesn't laugh. She doesn't, she doesn't sing. She's not engaged in community. She doesn't give high fives to people. And she doesn't eat chocolate chip cookies that were made for her the night before. And to have our hearts broken for that human being, because that human being really does exist. And there's a lot of them. And the crazy thing to me is that it only takes an invitation to most of those people. All they need is one person to say, would you, would you like to come? I'd just like you to come and check it out. But, but because no one's invited that person, they will stay in this purgatory of, of community with the television set and a sense that the world is only falling apart, but instead of a sense that the world is being healed and hopeful. And right now, as we're worshiping today, we can imagine that there's a woman just like that or a man just like that in Florida. And right now, their house is actually, they don't need the TV to see it. They can, they, 
they feel it, they hear it, the roaring noise of the wind outside of their house. And right now, they may feel that that's the most powerful thing in the world. And our prayer is that those people would come into connection or relationship with a God that declares sovereignty or power over those winds. And is more powerful than the wind, is more powerful than the earthquakes. And that that person would experience and know the good news. Now, I don't know about you, but it feels kind of weird to, to I mean, today, the weather's perfect here. I, it's like, it's kind of, the, the women's group did a series called Mom Guilt last week. I, I have Paso guilt. Uh, I have Paso guilt because it's so beautiful here. And after worship, we will be going out onto the, the grass. And as I say this, you may realize that a small miracle is about to happen in your life. We will go out there and we will experience a chocolate chip cookie potluck. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a second. That doesn't even make sense. Yet as we do that, there will be people who are in pain and suffering in Florida. There are people in Houston that are still cleaning up the mess from their lives in the flood. And there are people in Mexico that are destroyed, their lives are destroyed by this earthquake. And there's this, this weird juxtaposition, and it's not one that we, we are alien to in Scripture. Actually, it's one that Jesus was very familiar with. Because the very beginning of Scripture, at the beginning of the book of John, we get this description of Jesus going to a wedding in Cana. And his whole entire world was destroyed at the time. There was an invading army. There was an occupying, there was an occupying government, military. that was cruel. They were crucifying citizens. And they were stealing all of the money and all of the wealth from the people so that they had barely enough money to feed their families. And yet Jesus goes to this wedding, this celebration in the midst of the turmoil of his world. And then the wedding runs out of wine, right in the middle of it, this beautiful wedding. And actually, one of the crazy things about this scripture is that it says that Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, a lot of people, and I myself have preached in the past that, you know, this is because this is, was common back then, the whole town would go to the wedding. But actually, there's invitations that were extended to the wedding. Some people were not invited, just like there are to weddings today. Have you ever created a, a wedding list of who's coming and who's not coming? At the beginning, you think, oh, everybody can come to the wedding. And then you realize it's $100 a plate. And even though I, you may not be paying for it, a parent might maybe, you realize that um, if they pay for everyone to come to the wedding, then they're going to live with you forever. And so you make sure that, you, make sure that it, uh, you don't invite everyone to the wedding. <laughs> And so this, uh, this invitation list is sent out, and I love that someone was creating an invitation list, and they're like, hmm, who should come to the wedding? How about Jesus? He seems kind of cool. Um, and his date. Oh, wait, he doesn't have a date. Uh, let's invite him and his disciples, because they have, seem to have a bromance going on there. So, so, so he, they invite Jesus and his disciples. Jesus is like, it says bring a date, but I guess I'll bring you guys. All right. So they all go to the wedding. And uh, his mom is the first one. Mary is, seems to be the first one to recognize that they've run out of wine. So, it's, so, so basically the party hasn't just completely died. She notices that the wine is out and the party should keep going. Have you ever had a, a sense that the party should keep going, but it doesn't? By the way, if you ever have a party and you run out of stuff to drink, soda or whatever, the party's over. I mean, even if you don't think it's over, it's over. And that's not a good thing for a wedding. And so 
Mary turns to Jesus and listen to what this description of what happens in this wedding. It's a beautiful story. And how, again, Jesus did tons of miracles. The Bible tells us he did so many miracles that you can't even fill, like you could fill the whole world with books and you wouldn't be able to account all the things that Jesus did. So if he did all those miracles, why is it important for the gospel writer to choose this one to introduce us to Jesus Christ? How fascinating. Then it means it's probably pretty important. Let's, uh, let's read this scripture together. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Now, when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, which is probably not a good way to talk to your mom, by the way. <laughs> It's a good way to get her to like do one of those things with her head or something. I don't know. <laughs> what concern is it to you? What concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not, come, not yet come. This is when I think Jesus' mom probably gave him the hairy eyeball. Does anybody know what that is? It's just a look you get from your mom and it says, what? <laughs> What'd you say to me? You are my son after all. Um, anyway, um, but uh, Jesus is clearly, it's time for him to move out, right? <laughs> time for you to go on your ministry, Jesus. Sounds like this is about the right time. God says it and I say it. So uh, your father and me have agreed on this. Time to move. So anyway, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so his mother, then she doesn't listen to him. She just says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. <laughs> Now, standing there were six stone water jars for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Now, this is like the, the, the equivalent of three huge wine barrels, okay? And Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Now, we have a baptism pool out there because after the 11 o'clock service, we're baptizing somebody. And, and one of the people said, it's taking all morning. To, I'm glad it's at the end of the 11 o'clock service because it's taking all morning to fill this 150-gallon this pool with water. Think about how long it would have taken to fill those, these empty vats with water back in, like, biblical era. And also just basically on the command of Jesus. I mean, they don't know what's going to happen. They're, Jesus just tells them to do this useless thing of filling all of these, these big vats with water. And they do it. I love that they respond to Jesus. They listen to what he tells them to do. Or maybe they listen to what his mom tells them to do, whatever. So Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom. He calls the groom over here and he's upset. He's not happy. He's about to complain to the bridegroom. He says, he says to him, everyone serves the good wine first. That's how upset he was. No, everyone serves the good wine first. And then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. Do you see why he's mad? They're wasting good wine on a bunch of people who are not going to appreciate it. <laughs> okay, that's, laughter is a, is a sign that you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, signs as miracles, in, the, in, the, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and I love the end of this, and his disciples believed in him. Wow. 
After this, he went to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. What a beautiful story of Jesus. And, and I actually, when I was starting to write this message, I was actually going to talk about the small miracles. But this is not a small miracle. This is a transformation of, of a liquid from one thing into the other. This is a complete chemical transformation. This is, this is as crazy as someone taking a, a rock and turning it into a loaf of bread. Jesus has taken something and shown that he has sovereignty over the water and over the wine. You know, then it says that his glory was revealed to people. He came to this wedding as just an ordinary guy. It was just like Jesus of Nazareth, whatever. We got another guest at the table. But by the end of the wedding, people kind of figured when he created 900 bottles, that's how much it would have been, 900 bottles of the best wine anyone had ever tasted out of a bunch of water, they realized, okay, this guy's, this guy's a little different than the rest of us. And they started to pay attention to him, and they started to believe in him. Now, later in Jesus' ministry, he is out on a boat with his disciples, and he's sleeping in the boat while they do all the work, which says that he's probably a pretty good leader, or at least delegator anyway. He was, that they were rowing across the Sea of Galilee. He takes a nap in the front of the boat. It also says he's human. He needed to take naps, by the way. So he's taking a nap, and then they wake him up, and just like anyone who takes a nap and is waking up, my son, who's two years old, boy, is he cranky when I wake him up from a nap. <laughs> Apparently, Jesus is too. They say, wake up, wake up. We're going to die. This storm that we're in, and it was a terrible storm. They thought they were going to die. The storm that we're in is going to kill us. And Jesus says, do you, do you remember who you're with? I mean, do, do you remember that, 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 what I did to the water? And then he turns to the wind, and he turns to the waves, and he silences the wind. He stops the wind, and he stops the waves. Jesus had power, has power over the wind and the waves. And then later in Jesus' ministry, Jesus actually walks on water. He defies gravity. See, with Jesus, the things that you think are, have to be one way, they don't have to be that way because Jesus has the ability to transform the, what you claim to be his reality into something that it is totally life-giving. And I love this, this party was over, completely over. They had depleted all of their, their potential for party, Right? Their potential for the, the, talk about being the life of the party. Jesus brought life to a party that was otherwise dead. There was nothing left with this party. But Jesus resurrected this party and brought it back to life again. And so if he can do that with, with that party, if he can do that with that storm, if he can do that with, with the things that we think are certain, then what can he do with, with the spirit that's what Jesus was always concerned about after he did these things. He wanted to make sure you understood that you have a soul, you have a spirit. That God, God has spirit too. And, and that, that if Jesus can create peace between the waves and the winds, then Jesus can also create peace between something that you may not think is possible to have peace between, between the spirit of God and your spirit. That there could actually be unity and peace and oneness between these two things that otherwise there's, not, there's no hope for. That's what Jesus wanted everybody to know that was following him. And everybody, that's why he changed water into wine. Now, one of the things that I think is most important, and we get back to this concept of invitation. 
The invitation of Jesus starts by allowing himself to accept other people's invitations. Isn't that interesting that he was invited to a wedding and he went? He actually attended that wedding. He said, yeah, I'll go to that wedding. He could have said, I have better things to do. I, I, I could sit around at my house and watch the fire all day, you know? Back then version of TV, I guess. Or pray, or go heal the sick. But he decided to accept the invitation. Did you know that later in Jesus' ministry, when there was tax collector, like a dirty, rotten tax collector, an awful tax collector, he had been stealing from the citizens, that tax collector invited Jesus to come to his house for dinner. And what did Jesus do? What did he do? He went. He, he accepted the invitation. And throughout Jesus' ministry, there's time after time after time when people, when Jesus accepts the invitation that is extended to people. When Jesus accepts the invitation, sorry, the invitation that people have extended to him. You know, late, earlier this week, um, or last Sunday, actually, we talked about the Hurricane Harvey, Right? And we were praying for the people that, that were being hit by this hurricane. And we actually planned to send out a team from Highlands Church next year. Not, not now when it's all only trendy. I mean, every, a lot of teams are going now. But we always know from Hurricane Katrina that a year later, that's when it's no longer the cool thing to do or the hot, hot news item. But we're going to send a team next year when the people still will need it. And so we were talking about how to respond. And then later this week, around Thursday... Um, one of our elders, do you guys know who Seda Andrews is? Does anyone know who she is? She's one of our elders for student ministry. She's incredible. She actually, she actually was invited to be a part of the America First response, first responders to the hurricane in the Caribbean. Later in the afternoon on Thursday, she was packing her bags, and later that evening, she flew out. Yesterday, she was in North Carolina loading a DC-8 plane, full of resources and supplies, and now she is parked in the Caribbean awaiting for the, for the um, landing strip in the Turks and the Ka Caicos? Turks and the Caicos to be dry enough for them to land. See, she accepted the invitation in her life right then. She had that invitation. It was right there, right in front of her. That's what Jesus asks us to do. He asks us to respond to the invitations that we have. Do you know that yesterday I was cleaning my house with my wife? My wife was up in the front room and I was cleaning the kitchen and uh, someone started walking to the door and Danny said to me, hey, you know what? Someone's here to see you, which means please answer the door. And by the way, I like telling, I like telling this story because it features me cleaning the house, which never, like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow, he cleans the house. Really good guy. No, don't <laughs> Yeah, any, any wives that nudge their husbands, uh, I'm not that good, so no. Uh, or, or husbands that nudge their wives, just saying. Um, we all need to do a little cleaning, deep cleaning, deep spiritual cleaning. Um, so this guy comes to the door. I go to answer. It turns out it's my neighbor, and he says, hey, you know what? I'm having a little party, a little shindig, shindig at my house. He didn't say that, but he said, I'm, I'm having a party. I'd love to have you and your whole family come later in the afternoon, in the evening. And we're going to have all the neighbors over there. So I go into the church, and I usually on Saturday afternoon and evening, I'm working on my message here. And, uh, and I really cherish and prize that time. It's very important um, because, you know, usually um, everybody walks out if I don't spend enough time on the message. So, um, <laughs> no. But, uh, but then I'm sitting there, and I realize 
that I've been invited to go to this guy's house. And so I put everything on pause and I went over there and I, and I celebrated with him. I celebrated with him and I got to know all of my neighbors. And I got to know the neighbors that I already knew on a deeper, more intimate level. I, I actually knew them and I knew their stories. I knew where they were from. See, as a church, Jesus is calling us as an inviting church, as a church that's a your invited church, the beginning of that invitation, you may be surprised to hear, is actually you accepting the invitations that are available to you. And being perceptive because there are invitations. There are people that are saying, you know how many school teachers? Is there, is there any school teachers in here? Are there any school teachers? Okay, just from the school teachers. I may be wrong. I only want to name any of it's true. Could you use a little help at school? Yep, there you go. You just got an invitation right there. We could use a lot of help to helping with these kids. They need the help. There's an invitation rolled out, red carpet. As we leave the worship service today, there's going to be a whole entire field filled with chocolate chip cookies that are designed to bribe you into participating in a small group ministry. <laughs> we know what we're doing. Oh, this tastes good. You can have more of that at this thing every single week. <laughs> if you think that tastes good, talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, um, I don't know. Um, but because the dream is to be an inviting church, but also as, as you are going around town, people have, people have all said, you know, I really want to figure out how, how to reach out to this person in my life. And that's really important even with specific people, but also with all the people in your life, it's important to pay attention to the invitations that are there and available to you. See, Jesus actually was on the move, partly because he was probably rude to his mom, but he was on the move. He was on the move. His ministry was a moving ministry, and actually he always sent his disciples out. And when they went out, he said, okay, you guys go into the towns and you are to meet new people. And you are, when you meet new people who are not inviting you in, then move on. Move on to the next people because invariably there will be more and more people that will invite you in to their life and welcome you into their story. And you may think, I don't have anybody inviting me in. Oh, really? Did you notice how nice that Starbucks barista was last week? That if you just ask them a little bit about their story, did you notice how nice that person at the park cinemas was? Did you notice how nice that, that police officer was? Those people that you could actually get to know their stories and get to know them and welcome them into the relationship? And the important thing to know is that Jesus creates these miraculous events. So how many people know the word evangelism? Last service, only three people have heard that word before. How many people have heard that word before? Only, only like one half. Okay, that's all right. Confusing, but all right. Because it's usually a word that people associate as being a bad word. But just as a, just as a matter of interplay, I'd just like to ask you guys, how, how many people can find one of the root words inside of evangelism? Anybody? Yes, angel. And that prefix, E-V, is actually an E-U, and the E-U means Good. So actually, what evangelism means is to be good angels. It means to be good angels, good messengers in the life of other people, to actually walk up to them and to share the good news with them. And the way Jesus did that was by accepting invitations, to going into their homes, going into their houses, going into their parties, going to their weddings, and being a part of their world and being a part of their life. 
don't know about you, but I want to be a good angel. Would you guys please stand as we pray? Lord Jesus, we recognize that there are so many people surrounded by hurricane force winds in their life. There's so many people that the storm surge is greater than they can fathom and they are stuck. The earthquakes of this world decimate the things that we hold on to, Lord. Lord, we pray that if there's anyone in this room that is going through a storm in their life, a a turbulent time, that they would have that sense that you are sovereign over the elements, that you are sovereign over the wind and the waves, that you have all this power. And, And moreover, that you are sovereign over death, that you have taken those things where otherwise there would be depletion and death and nothingness, and you've created something, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, we stand before you, these empty vessels, and we pray that you would pour into us, that you would fill us up with the good news so that everybody who would, who would experience life with us, Lord, we wouldn't point to ourselves or that we would say, hey, you know, we've got it all together, Lord, but Lord, we pray that we would be the people that would say, no, this, this, this love, this life is not coming from me. This is coming from Jesus So God, fill us with this Holy Spirit that that the conversations we have as we enter the the field of possibilities in this life, like they would be infused by your presence and surrounded by and, and centered on your presence, Lord. We praise you. We thank you right now for Seda and her team in the Caribbean that they are on the precipice of this need and they are going to be there. And we pray for Seda that as she has that opportunity to bring healing, that she would, uh, she would find that moment of boldness to tell the people where, the, where this wine is coming from, where this water, this help, this healing is coming from. And Lord, protect her. Protect all the people in the path of the hurricane. You are sovereign over the wind. You are sovereign over the waves. And we praise you, Jesus, and we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen.